Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Eric Wilson. Eric is Director of Thought Leadership at the Institute of Business Forecasting, IBF. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for our chat. Uh, first of all, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do in your role and at IBF? Yeah, uh, I guess I probably should start with them with IBF because if you're Director of Thought Leadership of IBF, I got to start with the IBF part. Uh, IBF is a membership organization uh, that helps foster the growth of people in the fields of predictive analytics, business forecasting, demand planning, SNOP, sales and operations planning, those related fields. It's about 55,000 members worldwide. Uh, and it's really about the trends and what's going on in their field and in their industry. So being the director of thought leadership, then my role is kind of that liaison between the membership what's going on in the field, what are those trends, what are the best practices, what's happening uh, inside our organization, in different organizations, and being able to communicate that, share it, and so people can understand exactly where we're going. Amazing. That's fantastic. Uh, what, what a wonderful organization and a wonderful uh, role to have within that organization. I think that's uh, that makes your role really interesting. I'm keen to hear some of your story. And I know listeners love hearing, uh, you know, some of those moments, even as far back as childhood, you know, for you, when, when you were younger, what are some of the moments that really shaped you to become the person and the leader you are today, Eric? Well, I've always been, I guess, entrepreneurial. Uh, even in high school, I, you know, had my own type of businesses that I did in high school uh, that I ran. Uh, and after that, I developed uh, my own businesses right out of college. I paid my way through college, uh, owning my own business, uh, which was quite successful at that time. Uh, from there, I then went into more the entrepreneurial where I honed those entrepreneurial skills inside of organizations that I did. So I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial leadership type of, of uh, attitude in my life. I, I said everywhere since high school. And what about when you were? I guess when you were in high school, are there any moments that really stand out to you or even during that journey that's so fascinating that you really ran sort of businesses to, to pay your way through college? Were there any significant aha moments for you like uh, where you went, oh, wow, I can actually do this or, or favorite failures where you really dropped the ball, but you look back and think that was so formative and I learned so much? Yeah, well, most of the successes were just affirmations of, of what I was already doing. So I, unfortunately, I didn't have the maturity level to really learn from those successes that I had, even though I had a lot of successes as in high school, paying my way through college, very successful. I think the biggest lessons learned were those setbacks. And that's when I had my, you know, business out of college. It was a very successful business. So then I decided to take that and to start another business because I assumed everything I touched was gold at that point. 
So I went into a totally different type of business. It was a retail type of business. Everything I did before was more distribution. Uh, you know, one was, you know, more of almost software type at the time. And I went into a retail business because I wanted people to see what I did and have a retail front business. Totally different animal. I didn't understand that animal fully, but I thought I was unstoppable. After about two years and continuing putting more and more of my own money in, I had to end up closing that business and walking away with a lot more debt than I ever had because everything else I was making money on. Mm -hmm. So it, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned that, hey, guess what? I can't do it all. And that lesson actually came from, as I said, about two years into the business, I brought a consulting company in to kind of figure out what was wrong. And they spent two days looking my merchandising plan, marketing plan, looked over all the books, everything. And the person sat across the table from me and he said, this business will not succeed as long as you're sitting there. And my first thought was, what do you mean? This business wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. Yeah, I am the business. And that was the problem. I was the business. I didn't understand all the hats I wore. Some of them didn't quite fit right. I had to find people that mm. had expertise in different areas. It was too late for that business, but the big lesson I learned was I have expertise and surrounding myself with other people who have expertise in what they do that complement me really makes what I do better. And that was the biggest lesson I learned from that. Yeah, incredible. That's, uh, that's, that's such a, a great lesson and uh, appreciate you sharing that story. Uh, so fast forward after that, uh, in that next season, as you started, like you said, entrepreneurship and you started getting to hone those skills and then more recently as well, do you have any sort of favorite moments or stories that stand out in your mind as being really pivotal in, in shaping Eric in, in more recent times? Well, I said the, I decided what, uh, as far as skill sets I had, guys, I understood at that point I couldn't wear every hat. And what I enjoyed the most was really the, the forward looking aspect of, of business, the, you know, being able to strategic thinking, uh, especially from an analytical uh, standpoint, uh, being able to see how things are connected. I understood those were the strengths that I, I, I had. So I went into a, an organization uh, that I could start helping develop those skill sets even more inside those that organization. And that's what I got into what's uh, called sales and operations planning, which is just a business process, which is cross-functional. It's more strategic looking. It's a help for an organization's way to drive business decisions, especially when it comes to supply chain and other types of functions. Uh, so I started developing that function there. I came in as a, just a manager type of level uh, at that organization, but I was dealing at that time with the C-suites, with the CEOs, and really have that capability, we're talking about defining moments of understanding, it didn't matter what role I was in, it really mattered how I presented what I was doing inside of organizations, that it, you wasn't defined by your title, you're defined by what you do. And that's really what I, I discovered early on when I started working with inside of organizations was those titles didn't matter as much as as how I presented, what I presented, and I was presenting good ideas. Those things were more important. Mm. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's really interesting. Uh, I love that uh, perspective. So, how did you? I guess for you now that you're the director of thought leadership, I'm interested to know what are you seeing? Like, what what's as you do your role and as you um, 
uh, as you lean into this space, what are the current trends? What are the, what are the themes that for you sort of reign supreme right now? And for the past couple of years, are there any things that you find are really central or that you keep coming back to and looking at from different angles and presenting to, to the members in, of IBF? Yeah, it's, it's great. It's a great question because there is a central theme that is coming up, uh, especially during COVID, what we just dealt with. I, you know, we do a lot of research at IBF as well. It's a, it's a research arm being for its membership. So we do a lot of research. And through COVID, we were doing a lot of research, seeing companies that were being able to harbor the storm a little bit more, a little bit more successful, the ones that, you know, didn't panic as much. What was the difference between these organizations, especially when it comes to the planning and, and, and you know, business planning aspect? Uh, and it was the same three things that came up almost unanimously. It, they may call them different things, but it was, in essence, boiled down to the same three things. And this, I think, goes across you know, functions, platforms, industries. I think it's very similar to these three, three things are looking at successful, especially in the business world. It was collaboration, consensus, and transparency. That really became the key. The mm -hmm. organizations that really worked together, that really truly did break down the uh, uh, silos and, and, and talked among each other, actually to each other instead of at each other. Those, those functions that did that, the ones that really built consensus because no one really knew what was going on then. And it really, even out after COVID, it, I think it's still, you know, kind of a key point. No one has all the answers. So that consensus of yeah. building consensus, I think, is key as well. And that last one is probably the most difficult, but mm. we've seen the, it successful is the transparency. Being vulnerable in the business or outside of business is, is critical uh, as a leader but then also just being part of that collaborative team as well. Having that vulnerability, building that trust is the only way you're going to have collaboration consensus, number one, but it really helps to understand what you know, what you don't know. And then you can feel free to make mistakes. You can feel free to have someone help where you don't have the answers. Those are the key things. I mean, kind of going back to the early days, my biggest lesson was, I couldn't do it all. That was a big lesson for me early on. That's a, that's a time of being vulnerable and transparent of saying, I need to bring this person in that knows more about this than I do. Yeah. Those, I mean, that transparency, I think is a key aspect. And it's one of the things we said was most successful during COVID for companies and planning where they were transparent. That's fantastic. And they're great insights. What, what would be, you know, for listeners who are just, hearing these sort of ideas for the first time. And obviously you go into more depth in, in your role and with, with IBF, but just for those who are listening going, oh, wow, that's, they're probably things that I can work on. For, for each of the three, is there anything that you've seen that might be a good starting point uh, in terms of, or, or the most obvious lever for each of those three that a leader who's listening might be able to go away and practically start working on? Yeah, so, uh when it comes to the collaboration piece, it, it's seeking out other types of points of views. It's seeking out other types of opinions. It's, you know, it's understanding that you don't have all the answers and seeking, you know, advice and opinions and being open to those opinions and advice. So that would be the collaboration piece. As far as the consensus aspect, it, once again, there's a lot of great point of views that coming together make a better answer. Uh, consensus uh, allows for less bias. 
because everyone has their individual biases they have in any decision they make. So a consensus allows to take some of that bias out of the process and some of the bias out of decision making. It actually improves decisions as well, and it, it increases accountability. So build, having a, a consensus allows more people to be accountable for decisions that are being made. So uh, looking at consensus is just being able to bring in different points of view, but then kind of coordinate them into a decision. And then firing on the transparency, that's, I said, that's gonna be the hardest one because that's opening yourself up, that's being vulnerable. But most things, uh, Brea Brown, there's a lot of different books out there. A lot of, you know, she just dares to lead, a uh, book just came out that talks about the vulnerability aspect of it. There's a lot of, lot of uh, research out there that shows that from a leaders, you have to have that transparency. You have to have that vulnerability as a leader as well. So good. I can see why you do what you do. It's really great to listen to you to unpack these things, Eric. Um, and it really makes me want to jump into Leadership Express and spend a bit of time there because I know you're going to have some really interesting answers to this question. So are you ready? I am ready. It's just the rapid <laughs> fire part, you know, we do here. <laughs> yeah, but you can feel free. I love the way you think. And so as you answer these, feel free to unpack it a bit. It doesn't have to be too fast. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, what is one, or you can give a couple um, of books that you've gifted to others? I think the, the one book I've probably gifted the most was Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. Mm. Uh, Every time I would have an intern that would work for me, that would be the gift I would give them as they would, would exit, unless I'd hire them in. But that would be my standard. I had actually had like 20 copies of that book that I would be passing out to my interns and, and professionals. So that's the book I've probably <laughs> given away the most, just because it'll, it, it changes your thinking into more of, uh, of, of uh, probabilistic type thinking. We, a lot of people don't think probabilistically. We think you know, very mm. linear, very here's equals this equals this. When you start really thinking in probabilities and, and connections of things, it opens up your thought process. Uh, and especially yeah. in the business world, those are important. So Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, I think, is one that I've given away quite a few times. Uh, yeah. The, what is it? The why by, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, start uh, with why? Yeah, start with why. That's Simon That's Sinek. A great. Yeah, Simon. Simon. That is a great book as well. Uh, the truly, because I think a, a lot of what I do in our profession, it, it's relatable because you really have to understand what question you're a, uh, answering. Because like I said, SNOP is a business process to, for decision making. You got to figure out what decisions you need to be making before you start really putting processes to it. So understanding that why is, is something that I think is key. So I've, I've, I've recommended and given that book away a few times as well, besides my own books, obviously. You know, I give those books away. Anybody wants it, take it, <laughs> have my book. <laughs> no, it's good. And I wanted to, uh, I did want to mention your book. So uh, do you want to just give people an overview of, or uh, are there a couple of books that you of yours that you'd uh, just have a chance to recommend? Because I'd love to do that. Yeah, I, I, there's a couple of books out there uh, that I have out there right now. The newest one is Predictive Analytics for Business Forecasting. It it looks at really business planning, demand planning, for business forecasting, kind of the next generation. I mentioned. This is the thought leadership of where we're going to go. So it's compiled from all the research that we do, but it really talks about machine learning, uh, new ways of looking at data into an organization, uh, where we're going. If the answers don't live inside your own four walls of your organization, 
how do you start looking outside of your own four walls for information, for data, to understand the consumers, to be able to model them and plan and make better decisions going forward. It takes all those concepts that you're hearing in the news about where we're going with AI and everything and puts it in little simplistic type terms that it really lays the foundation so that executives or planners can start understanding those concepts and then they can eventually start to apply them into their business. So it's actually utilized by a few universities and in, in their predictive analytics courses as well. Uh, but it's for general practitioners, executives, any it's the layman can read it as well. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. And what's the title again for those who it's predictive analytics for business forecasting and planning. Wonderful. Eric Wilson, make sure people yep. check that out. That's good. Thank you. I really wanted to do that. Um, so any great podcasts that you're listening to or other sources right now that you're really, you know, they're sort of your go-to that you're reading, watching, listening to a lot at the moment? Uh, well, I, I'm biased right now because I said IBF has a lot of content from practitioners. Uh, so a lot of what I consume is, is reading what practitioners in our field uh, have been writing. Uh, through our journal of business forecasting or our blog at demand-planning.com. Uh, I have a podcast that I actually bring you know, people and interview them on. So it's, that's a lot of what I'm consuming outside of my specific field. I just do a lot of reading that's non-field related, uh, you know, uh, the dance of anger, which really doesn't really talk about anger, but it's a great uh, book as far as talking about uh, how to identify when you know some uh, you know things that are triggers that are against your values or against your you know uh, what you are compromising something, how to identify those key points. Uh, so so books like that is what I've been. And then I said Dare to Lead. That's uh, the new book I just got finished up to. So I mean those kind of things I read outside of my yeah. in, outside of my field. Yeah, thank you. They're great great recommendations. What's a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? The recent lesson that I've learned, I would probably go back to that that vulnerability aspect type thing. Uh, that one of the things that I I do public speaking a lot, uh, and especially at conferences, doing a lot of trainings. And one of the things that that always kind of bothered me in the trainings was that I would always get great ratings and and everyone always said they you know fantastic was and everything of that sort. Fully believe them, but they would say that. And the reason I, that because I never got the interaction that I wanted to people. Uh, so I learned actually to, you know, really open myself up besides just teaching the content, making a little bit of myself available inside those, uh, you know, presentations that I gave a little bit as well, helped me build more of the rapport I needed with the audience. So that was a big lesson from a leadership that I had to learn was uh, you know that transparency part that I talked about. Uh, I continuously work on that. That's something I need to work on. It doesn't come natural for me. I'm very analytically minded. So you know, uh, so those the empathy and those things don't aren't a natural thing for me. So I had to learn. I'm learning those. I can't say I have learned. I'm learning. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, okay. Do you have any favorite questions that you ask when you're in a one-on-one? -on -one, when you're in a conversation? Over time, as a leader, they've become sort of uh, superpower go-to questions for you most time i'm going to be if i'm in a one-on-one -on -one situation it's going to be at a conference is is a lot of time and and my go-to is what did you want to get out of this 
uh, letting them talk about themselves, uh, but then also understanding what they may feel as the gaps and or what they're trying to learn, because that generally allows us to open up a dialogue. That seems to be my go-to, and I can learn a lot from someone by asking that question if, if they've thought it out, you know, or if they haven't thought it out. So my generally most of my one-on-ones are at conferences is what are you trying to get out of this what do you want to learn while you're here uh that's my go-to a lot of times at conferences yeah that's wonderful i love that uh this is a question that just came up in a previous podcast i did um i can't i can't recall uh, just so people know i didn't come up with it but i love it so much i'm gonna throw it in right now for eric which is what is a commonly held belief in your industry that you passionately disagree with <laughs> the AI is actually a thing. <laughs> you can unpack. <laughs> oh, AI doesn't actually exist. AI is a marketing term and what they talk about in boardrooms. So, you know, so artificial intelligence, it's, it's, it's fancy predictive analytics, machine learning and, and data. It, but there's no such thing as an artificial intelligence. It's, it, by its def own definition, there's no definitions for it. So that would be the one of big things that I disagree with most because you have software providers, consultants, boardroom people all talking these words and they want me to present it. They even marketing put it in my book, but I disagree with it. I don't think it exists uh, as a thing. <laughs> the other thing I think I would disagree yeah. with as well, as far as uh, uh, in, in our field is that there's an understanding, uh, you know, of of planning just because you have a title it goes back to the original the title doesn't necessarily mean competence even but in, that aside it doesn't always mean a full understanding of uh of what is being done at other levels so there's a need to constantly be able to sell yourself and be able to explain yourself no matter what level you are and making the assumption that hey my boss or my boss's boss knows exactly everything that's going on here that's never the case yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's great. I love that. Uh, what's a great piece of advice you've received? Great piece of advice I've received. Mm. I mean, it doesn't need to be leadership specific. It could be life. Yeah. Uh, I was, I always think about this when I'm asking people this question and I remember <laughs> It makes me laugh to think about it. Just giving you a moment to, as, as you think, but I remember my maths teacher in grade 12, grade 12, Jono thought of maybe thought a bit too much of himself. And, uh, and I remember saying, thinking I was really clever saying, uh, uh, Miss Collins, who is my teacher, she's wonderful, uh, wonderful person. I said, Miss Collins, what do you think is, uh, who, who's going to be more successful people who are really smart and things come easy to them or people who work hard and smart. <laughs> yeah. Smart mouth. Jono thought it, she was going to say, yeah, you know, if you're really smart and things come easy to you, it's going to be great. But I remember she turned to me and she said, people who work hard, <laughs> and I just remember thinking, what? Um, and I have no idea why I was saying that. That's a bit embarrassing. But I remember that advice was so good and it stuck with me, that idea that you just, just doing the work, showing up consistently and working hard is, uh, is so important to being successful, you know, arguably more important than natural gifts and talents. Um, so that's, that's mine. Have you thought of one? Yeah, I'd say... I mean, there's a couple different, I, I, don't, I don't even call them mantras. I don't know what the word is for them. It's just things that have been in my head ever since, you know, probably high school times or shortly thereafter that have kind of just been my guidepost, good or bad. 
so I can't, I struggle to say where they may have come from, but I know I have them in my head from somewhere and I've kind of lived by those. So I'm going to give you that because it's, that's the advice that I've gotten somehow. Yeah. And one is the only thing you can change is yourself and the way you react to something. That was one of the things that I, early on, I, probably my high school time that I really had that as, as my guidepost that I can't change somebody else. I'm not going to change the way they do it, but I can change myself and I can change the way I react to what they're doing to me or what they're, what they're saying. And, and that became one of my, you know, fundamentals that I, that I live by. And the other one, when I started getting into business, when I really started to try to figure out what I wanted to do and what skill sets that I have, it, it was in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So the person that can really see or interpret what may happen in the future, mm. especially in a business organization, that person is really has a lot of capabilities or authority or whatever you want to call it inside of an organization. And then mm. that's what really drove me to forecasting and planning and strategic thinking inside of an organization. Wow. They're great. Uh, they're great thoughts that the first one, but I don't, know who, I don't know who to credit with them. That's the point. Yeah, I, I know it's hard, credit, isn't it? You know? yeah. Which I had a great story of a, of a third grade math teacher. I could credit, but I don't have. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I, um, I've, I had something really similar to the first piece, uh, to the first thought you gave there, which is uh, there's a wonderful counselor here in Brisbane. His name's Peter Janetsky and he does a lot of great work around, um, uh, yeah, just around particularly dealing with emotions and, and, uh, and interpersonal conflict. And he has a great saying, which I really love. And that is that you can't wake people up, stop trying to wake people up. And that's really yeah. helped me. And he talks about this idea of, you know what, when, when you, and all of us, you know, leaders who are listening and, and there's that person where you, you stop and you go, Oh, maybe I've been trying to wake them up. The thing that he's really helped me to understand is not only can I not control it, some people may never wake up. And, um, and that's not in my court, exactly like you said. But then again, some people in 10 years time, they will, there'll be something that happens. They'll have an aha moment and you, you run into them again, you work with them again and they've changed and they get it, but we can't wake them up. It's something that is not in our control. And I've found that very freeing. That's along the same line. I agree. There's only so much we have control of and most of it's just ourselves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, brilliant. Love it. Great thought. Uh, what's a big struggle or problem that you're seeing leaders facing, particularly in the areas that you focus on when it comes to uh, strategic forecasting? What's a big problem or challenge leaders are facing? Uh, they get caught up too much in the now and they don't, they, instead of looking at the future to be able to plan for the future now, they get bogged down too much in the now. Uh, the other one would go back to uh, hype on that transparency aspect is they don't allow enough freedom of the people they're trying to lead. Uh, so they become more managing than they do leading. Uh, and that is one of the biggest, that would be one of my biggest things that I see a lot in the executives that we, uh, that I've worked with and, and try to, you know, develop and with, uh, different things mm -hmm. that we're doing now in the planning arena. 
Yeah, that's great. And they can fall into managing instead of leading. One of my favorite quotes yeah. about the difference between management and, and leadership actually is from someone on this podcast who once again, just as we've said, I can't recall if someone listens to the different episodes and finds it, let me know because I have quoted it a few times, but I can't recall who mentioned it. But they said, um, a manager is a person who you leave their office thinking they're the smartest person in the world. Wow, they're so smart. A leader is a person where you leave their office thinking you're the smartest person in the world because they build you up and you think, gee, okay, I can do this. I've really got this. Wow, like I'm, I'm, I'm on track. And I love that. I just thought that's such a good difference because as leaders, it's not about people thinking how great we are. It's about actually building others up, investing in them and to have them walk out of our office, go, yeah, going, yeah, you know what? I met with Jono and I can do this and and I have his support and I can take this on. Um, and um, yeah, I loved, uh, you know, that idea of thinking you're the smartest person in the room when you walk out of being with a leader and you go, wait a second there, but they just are great at investing. That's, I mean, it's a great, Great, uh, you know, uh, as far as looking at those difference. I mean, I always look at, you know, the role of a leader. It's it, you're creating that vision and you have the passion. That's what people follow a vision passion. Because most people, be honest, don't have a vision and mm. they don't have passion. So when they see a vision and passion in someone else, they will mm. follow. And yeah. that's a leader, someone who someone's going to follow. So a leader is just is the someone who can see what's going to happen in the future that strategic thinking really creates that vision and then just has that passion you know for what they're doing and driving towards that that people want to be part of that and a good leader that's all they have to do and then get out of the way and let, let people come with them on that journey and let them people do their own things that is a leader that's great as well because it reminds me of that idea of leaders being the the chief cheerleader, like, uh, yeah. and, and that's what you're doing because what's a cheerleader? A cheerleader is really passionate about cheering you on in a certain direction. And if, as a leader, if you can just walk around and cast vision and set a clear direction for where we're going as an organization, as a team, and, and what, what, you know, what we see as a future that we can help create. And you're really passionate about that. I think you're right. I, I think that's, um, there's a lot of simplicity in that description that rings very true. I agree. Okay, here's an interesting question. A movie or TV show that really impacted you? A movie or TV show? Oh, that's a tough one because I don't do many movies. Or the ones I do are just corny. And, or most, I do TV for mindless. That's all right. You know what I've had before? This is what you're, <laughs> this is what you're following on from, Eric. I've had Golden Girls. I've had, yeah, <laughs> which I, I dealt Ode with to Betty very White. well. <laughs> yeah, an ode to Betty White, so true. And uh, I've had Seinfeld, which I loved. And then we talked I for about Seinfeld. 10 minutes about Seinfeld. Um, I've I also love the Big had, Bang Theory. I love the, oh, yeah, yeah, the Big Bang Theory. So there's, it can be mindless. Mindless is good. I, I, like I love Doctor leaders. Who. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I've never Not watched new. Doctor Who. Not the new Doctor Ah, the Up old until doctor. the current doctor, I mean, because it totally the canon just destroyed with the new doctor. She just destroyed the canon. But previous doctor, I was I love the doctor. So. Okay, I like. I've actually just started watching. I haven't ever gotten into Doctor Who, but I've just started watching Battlestar Galactica. That's okay. um, that's uh, that's another one. But yeah, I'm the same. I love. For me, it's the same with books, and I've mentioned this before. I love a good sci-fi fantasy book. 
And it feels funny talking so seriously about, or, you know, running an offsite with a team about strategy. And then I go and listen to, and I always love telling my wife, Liz, about the characters and she just sits there and sort of patiently. And, and I can see just her <laughs> temptation to roll her eyes about dragons. And, but it's something about, isn't it? You just having that outlet where you can switch off and whether it's TV show that's or book, that's part of leadership because, um, and so that's why I enjoy asking that question. And I always get the most interesting responses. So the old Doctor Who, I love the that. Older that's a Doctor great one. Who. The older Doctor yes. Who. Thank you. Um, yes. Okay. Last question. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? Don't be scared of failing. Oh, that's good. It's good because it's something that we talk about a lot, but gee, it's hard, isn't it? Because oh, I know it's very hard. I heard fear. that, but it, I was so fear. scared. Yeah, yeah. Any tips on how, because leaders who are going, oh man, I know I shouldn't be, but gee, I'm scared of failure. Have you found anything that really helps to, to overcome that fear? Failing a few times. <laughs> <laughs> it's like anything. You practice, you get really good at it. So yeah, that's just... right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Literally trial and error. Uh, I know yeah, we're celebrating so... failure. It's so good. Another another quote from someone on the podcast, they said, you know, there's winning, and I don't think they came up with it, but they shared it. There's winning. There's no winning and losing. There's only winning and learning. And I feel yes. like for me, entrepreneurship, starting your own business, there's a great way to just learn have to learn to embrace failure in, in a good way because there you sort of don't have the safety net you're sort of forced to as as another person said there's plan a and then there's pivot 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 it's like yes. you've got your plan but you're pivoting um but yeah i would encourage people as well just to just to step out and try things and change maybe change our definition of success and realize um or as, as someone else on the podcast said you know i think they attributed it to to Bill Gates saying that if you want to see how successful an organization is going to be, look at how they deal with failure. And, uh, and I think we want to be leaders. That's why it's such a great point to, to sort of end on Eric, because we want to be leaders and we, who are not afraid to fail ourselves or are brave enough to embrace it. And we want to create a culture where um, another, another person, sorry, I'm just stringing a few of these together, but another podcast, which I love, they talked about how Warren Buffett will only give the biggest accounts that that was one of his philosophies would only give the biggest accounts to someone who had made a big mistake before, because he knew that they, he had watched how they dealt with that and had learned from it. And he was confident that, um, that they knew how to how to deal with making a big mistake compared to someone who'd never made a big mistake like that and he said i don't know how they'll deal with it and i just love that idea that you actually that's that's the counterintuitive we need more of that yeah need to try yeah get out there give it a go where can people find you and your books and your podcast i'd love for people to chase you down and find you everywhere eric because you've been just such a joy to chat with where can people find you well, my podcasts are at IBF On Demand, uh, and you can find all of IBS content at ibf.org. That's where, you know, vast library of content's there. And you can actually probably find the podcast there as well. And if anybody wants to reach out to me, feel free at eric at ibf.org, eric at ibf.org. Happy to touch base with anybody. I want to be approachable. Yeah, thank you. No, that's great. And it's good for people to uh, to know and uh yeah well i want to thank our listeners for tuning in today's been a lot of fun and um just a great conversation about a few different things and eric's story uh was 
was wonderful and, and just a great point to finish on about um, not being afraid of failure. It's been a really, a really rich uh, episode. Uh, for our listeners, don't forget, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast where I give you tips on how to build a high-performance team and you know what to do on an off-site with your leadership team and those sort of things, but also the Leadership Question of the Day podcast where I put a stone in your shoe and ask you a different question every day to challenge you and we need to be uncomfortable as leaders. Uh, but I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Eric for coming on uh, for sharing vulnerably and putting your money where your mouth is about that Brene Brown stuff and just sharing. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, it was really wonderful to hear you share vulnerably and to chat about um, some of the things that your expertise is in that, to be honest, I haven't really zoned in on much before myself. And I feel like I've learned uh, from today and I know a lot of listeners will have really enjoyed it. So thank you so much, Eric. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders and you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I, I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be.
Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and, and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or Clarity, and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. 95% uh, of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.